I don't care if God ever shows me that this is for my good. I get to believe it. It's part of me. It's down in my toes. It's what the Bible says. Don't take that away from me. If, if God takes all, it takes everything, leave me the scriptures and don't let me ever doubt them. So he was the first person to ever open my eyes to the fact that I'm the same as anybody that he loves. His blood was shed for me just like anybody else. And there is no difference. And that's my first memory of Larry. Welcome to the Timeless Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Faith Ann, and Larry Horton was my dad. The deepest connection I had with my dad was through his teaching of the gospel. My dad communicated grace more deeply and simply than most. These sermons came to be preserved through my dear Aunt Shirley, who, in the early 80s, requested that my dad's sermons be recorded on cassette tapes and mailed to her so that she could be edified from five states away. When Larry died and went home to be with the Lord in 2019, my Aunt Shirley came to the funeral and brought with her the very sermons this podcast was created to showcase. The remaining sermons were preached in the early 2000s at the church he pastored until he died. His children's prayer is that you will come to Christ through these sermons, or if you already are a Christian, be edified and comforted as so many were during his life. In episode 11, we stay in 2003 and play the sermon that is part two of the Law and Grace series. After the sermon ends, I had the honor of speaking with another church member, Linda. Linda, along with her husband, chose to leave their former church 25 years ago after hearing just a few of Larry's sermons. You'll hear how Larry made Linda feel equal to men as a believer, something she had not been taught in the church she left. This heartbreaking yet heartwarming discussion all rolled into one speaks to the power of how vital it is that the Christian be taught correctly, our unity in Christ, and this leads to true fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you have questions or thoughts about the podcast? You can reach me at thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. That's thetimelessgospel at gmail.com. Now, Paul starts with an introduction and then in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 16, for all of you who have had uh, public speaking or uh, a speech class, he gives us the proposition of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And a proposition, the propositional statement of a speech or a letter or a treaty or anything, treatise, is what the book is about. What what what's his, what's his what's his purpose? What what is the 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 purpose of this writing? And that's his proposition. And we read that in in chapter one, verse sixteen. Uh, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, for in it, the right the, the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We all know that. We all know clearly that the just shall live by faith. We don't live by, by our works. We live by our faith. But faith in what? As I said in the first hour, faith in faith in the fact that Christ died for my sins? I don't think so. I learned that the first day. I knew that's why I came to Christ. I came to Christ to have my sins forgiven. Is there no growth between the time you become a Christian and the time you go to heaven? 
and we already know clearly because it's 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 said four times in the Bible, uh, once in the Old Testament, and then Paul makes commentary on it. On, takes him three different books to write about it, and that's a just shall live by faith. So what is this faith that I'm to have? Faith is is trusting in something. Uh, what is it I'm to trust in? Is it that I'm to trust in that I'm going to get better every day? That I'm going to try harder and and, and jump higher and run faster? Or is it something else? So the proposition of Romans is found in one chapter, chapter 1, verse 16, that Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. And now we get into the first main point of Romans, and that is the condemnation of man. And we find that in verse 17. For in the, uh, uh, excuse me, for verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Now, Paul gives us about 18 different reasons how God is going to judge mankind. And every person, every person, the wrath of God is upon him. I don't care what his excuse is, he's going to be brought to a place. All he's got to do is read Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and he will find that he is in a place where he has, he cannot open his mouth. He is without excuse before God. Well, I never heard of Jesus. Don't matter. Read Romans, read Romans uh, 1, 2, and 3. Well, I was a pretty good guy. Read Romans 1, 2, and 3. Well, I was able to make judgments. Read Romans 1, 2, and 3. There's 18 different ways there in which God is going to judge the world, and in that, he will bring every man to a place of where he will have no excuse whatsoever, and he cannot open his mouth toward God. And then in Romans 3.21, we have the next distinction in Romans, and that is the but now. But now. And there, Paul brings in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from Romans 3.21, all the way through chapter 5, we find this great body of truth in that uh, in our our, sanctifi our in our justification, how God declares us righteous. Uh, he uses examples of David and Abraham. He brings in all these wonderful truths. He talks about the propitiation. He talks about the mercy seat. He, he talks about the fact that Christ, who Christ was and what He did for us. And it's a wonderful study to go through that. Just looking at the big words. Just looking at the big words. You can spend a year. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful study. Uh, I think maybe might be culminating in, briefly in Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's big. That's a big one. It's not that I have peace with God. It's that God has peace with me. The war's over. I lost. And there's peace. Being justified by faith. That's not any of that. Is not is is it has nothing to do with with my topic. <laughs> I'm just showing you where it's going now. At the end of Romans five, at the end of it, one of the things that Paul. But this is the the beauty of of the of the of the brilliance of Paul. He can be teaching about one thing and reviewing another and introducing another all at the same time. It's just layer upon layer upon layer of doctrine there in Romans. First, first uh, 11 chapters. So at the end of Romans, he says, the, at the end of Romans 5, he says this, moreover, verse 20, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, this is a sidetrack. 
maybe get into it next week, but uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, here is your definition. I don't care what Webster says. Here is your definition of, of the law, why it was given. Why do we spend hours and days and weeks and months in, 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 in lessons and conferences and seminaries trying to, to work out and explain why the law came? And when Paul's got it in one sentence, the law came, the law entered that the offense might abound. That's why. Is the law going to make you sin more? That's an impossibility. You can't sin. There's no way you could ever sin more uh, because you've already sinned in all you can. You, there's no such thing as sinning less. But it's that you're, you're, uh, you're aware of it. If you want to be a better person, if you want to become a better person in your own mind, stay out of this church. Don't come to any church and don't read your Bible. Because in the Bible, Old Testament New is the law of God. And as you're reading the law of God, it's going to show you how sinful you are. This morning, we're going to deal with what do we do with those sins. So just remember that. We'll get into that later too. But, but if you want to get better, just stay out of the Word. Because it, now, as long as you're in the Word, you're just going to get worse and worse every day. Now, if Calvin would have said that, I'd agreed with him. That a Christian gets worse and worse every day. At least in his own mind. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Someone said, I don't know who, I don't know Greek, they said that this is so important here that Paul made up, uh, made up a word. <laughs> you can't find this word anywhere in history. Nowhere in the culture, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere anywhere, except right here. Where sin abounds, grace does much superabound. He put two words together and made up his own word. Where sin came in like a river, grace comes in like a flood. You cannot, you cannot out-sin grace. So where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. This is the end of the teaching of justification, toward the end of, of the teaching of justification of Romans 3, of Romans chapters 3, 4, and 5. And now we're going to enter into the the, uh, another stage of the Christian life, and that is the Christian life. We're not talking anymore now about justification. We're going to start talking about how does a Christian live the Christian life. We already know from this proposition that it's by faith. And Paul starts, Paul gives us this huge uh, truth at the very beginning, at the very beginning of his teaching on the Christian life. The Christian life teaching here is going to be through chapter 6, 7, and 8. But the very first, the very first thing that Paul teaches us as far as, as we start our Christian life is he asks the question. Uh, and I've said to some of you before, when you read Romans and study Romans, you need to, you need to study it uh, uh, imagining the little man on the side of the page asking Paul, shooting Paul all these questions. And then Paul coming back with the answers to all these questions. It's, it's a lot of fun to do that. So Paul says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And then the question is raised, well, if that's the case, then are we to sin that, that, that we might get grace? Now, Paul does say, Paul does say, God forbid. But that's not an answer. 
is it? That's not an answer. You can't, you can't just say no. Because the plain truth is this. If I'm using the word, if I'm using logic the way I hope that, that, that I, I know how to use it, think about it, guys. Just think with me. Don't get ahead of me and don't, don't, don't get to thinking that I'm going to teach that, that sin is good. See, we all know sin's bad. We all know we shouldn't sin. We all know that. So let's, let's just forget about that. If where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, then why shouldn't we sin that we get more grace? It's not, it's not good enough for Paul to just say, God forbid. That's not an answer. That's not an answer because it goes against logic. <clears throat> Where there's sin, there's more grace. Therefore, let us sin that more grace can come. Paul can't just say, no, can't do that. Are you with me? Do you see what I'm saying? It sounds like I'm talking bad about Paul. Or it sounds like I'm saying we ought to sin. But just hear me out. Let's just look at this thing in, in truth for the change. Look at it absolutely. Now let's read it. Please, please read it. <clears throat> Verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now the answer to this question is going to be leading us into the first aspects of the Christian life. We're already saved. Got that taken care of. So Paul is going to, and the, and the absolute truth of justification is where sin abounds, Grace does much more abound. So that brings up the question naturally. Uh, well, if that is the case, then let's go sin all we can so that we can get all the grace we can. But Paul does not just say, God forbid. He does not just say, no, shouldn't do that. Now, most everyone I know will go to verse 2, and they'll read it like verse 12. Notice, Paul does not say, you shouldn't sin. Paul does not say that sin is bad. It is. He'll say it somewhere else. But that's not his answer. What is the answer to let sin that grace may increase without it just being no, shouldn't do that? Because verse 2, certainly not. And if you'll read this, you, you see that nowhere in here does he say that we should not sin. That's not his answer. And it wouldn't be correct if he did. Because the plain fact is, well, if sin is here and grace is way up here, well, then the plain fact should be, well, let's sin all we can so that we can get all our grace. And the answer to that is not just no. And the answer to that is not, well, you shouldn't do that. He doesn't say that. He does later, and we'll get to that, but not here. So what is the answer to if we're not supposed to sin that grace may increase, why not? And it's not enough to say, God forbid. So now his answer to that question leads us into the first steps of our Christian existence. And look what he says. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? The reason guys, that you don't sin to bring about more of God's grace is because it's impossible. 
It's not that you shouldn't sin. It's impossible. Now, is that too much for you? I know that John tells us that if we say we have no sin, that we're a liar and that we call God a liar. But the two words you're going to hear out of my mouth over and over and over during this study is position and condition. And our condition is that, of course, we're great sinners. We're great sinners. But before God, we're not. That's what you do with sin. Now, Larry, if I, if I implement this study and if I implement these uh, steps and if I implement this reckoning and if I implement this faith, faith, does that mean that I'm going to sin less? And the answer is absolutely not. I'm giving you what you should do with your sins. There's nothing I can do. There's not one thing I can tell you. Because I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the leader of you. Uh, when it comes to sin, I'm your leader. There's nothing I can help you with. You're going to send your lights out. You're going to send your lights out now. You're going to send your lights out 20 years from now. You're full of sin. You're a sinner and you're full of sin. And God, you're such a sinner that even God didn't do anything about it. Even God can't reform you. The only thing he can do is put you to death and be done with it. And that's good news. How far removed this is from trying to get better every day. But this is this this is transforming, but everything we do in this life is going to should be uh, on the basis of our position, and this is our position that before God I do not sin. Before God I certainly did, <laughs> and He put that to death when Christ died. We're going to see that when Christ died. I died. I died with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Everything that my mom and dad produced that stands before you this moment has been crucified, has been put to death judicially by God in Christ 2,000 years ago. And there's nothing really left for me to do except just go to the grave and die. Uh, my body's still with you. That, that's all. But before God, before God, I died. That's what I do with sin. Oh, Lord. Will you please forgive me of this, of this sin in my life? And God is shouting back as loud as he can through the preaching and teaching of his word. What sin? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? I just read the first hour. Uh, the words of William R. Newell uh, concerning grace, I would like to also give you this, what he says about this verse. He says, he paraphrases it this way, how can a man who has died in New York City still walk the streets of New York City? It's an impossibility. Can't be done. That's the answer to shall we sin that grace may abound. It's impossible. Can't do it. God's put you to death. You're talking, you're talking nonsense. Or do you not know that as many as... A, now, uh, this word baptize. I've, I've, I've taught it and taught it and taught it. I don't think I need to bore you with it any more of it today. We're just going to change that to the word identification. And if, if you have a problem with that, I can give you the whole nine yards at the church. Of why? 
but we're going to change this now to we're going to interpret the word and not transliterate it. It means identification. Or do you not know that as many of us as were identified into Christ Jesus were identified into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through identification unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And and this process is called reckoning. And reckoning is just another word for faith. So as a Christian is to live by faith, I'm to live by my position and not by my condition. My condition tells me I'm a sinner. My condition tells me I'm in a lot of need. My condition tells me I'm in, I need help. But my, my position, but my position says, uh-uh, no, I am holy, blameless, and beyond reproach in Christ. This is the this is the salvation that maybe some of us don't just is unable to see how great it is. The old man, that that in you that sins, that's so awful, has been put to death by God. And now that part of you, the new man, that is to, to serve God, can't sin. <laughs> I mean, you see how, how perfect we are in our position. Oh, Larry, if I believed that, I'd just go sin all, all I could. Well, hadn't happened to me yet. Uh, I'm not out, you know, doing these overt things. But, but you don't have an understanding of what sin is, if you think that way. We've got to do something with this sin. We can't quit it. In our condition, we've got to do something with it. And the only place we can put it is in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. I'm writing a book at this time on humility and how I've obtained it. Isn't that ridiculous? You ever prayed the prayer, Lord, please give me humility and then come to him later and thank him for answering that prayer? Sin is, sin is with you and it's not going to change. and It's not going to get better. Now, yes, we've all had a changed life in one way or another. There, there are things we do now that we used to not do, and there are things we don't do now that we used to. That's so minor. That's so, you know, I used to cuss like a sailor, and now I don't. That's, that's so minor compared to the holiness of God. I'm a sinful man. I am full of sin. It's not only that, it's not only that I deplore my sin, I deplore myself. What am I going to do if I... Uh, except wind up in an insane asylum. The only place I can go is right here in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. How would you live with yourself thinking that you're supposed to get better every day? This thinking will change your whole existence. You're dead, but you've been raised with Christ. This will change your attitude. This will change your, your behavior toward people. It will change your behavior toward your kids. This is not a system. This is not a button you can push. This is just fact that a, a Christian man, woman, is to live by faith. Faith in what? The, Roman, uh, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. In the life that I now live, I live with the faithfulness of the Son of God. Colossians 3. Romans 6. Romans 7. Romans 8. It's all there. Next week, we'll be talking about the law a little bit. You put this kind of teaching up against the, the law, you're really starting to build some, some real power in your, in your Christian life. For you cannot be touched. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him through, bat, through identification to death, that just, just, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united 
And that word means engrafted. We have been engrafted into Christ, into Jesus that walked here on the earth, into the risen Jesus Christ, into the risen Christ, into the righteous risen Christ who is only there to bless us. How can he judge us? I've already been judged. I've been found guilty, put to death. God's not making me a better person. Even God can't do that. He put me to death. Judicially, I'm gone. I'm dead. But I've been placed in Christ, the risen Christ. And God looks at me the way He looks at Christ. God loves me the way He loves Christ. Not any less, not any more. I'm as righteous as Christ. I'm as holy as God in Christ because of this teaching right here. When, when He died, I died. I got rid of all the negative. And when he rose, I rose with him. And you did too. In newness of life. Christ is our life. Law-keeping is not our life. Morality is not our life. Doing good works is not our life. Christ is our life. And as a result of that, we get a handle on that, all these other things will take care of themselves. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin living longer, longer in it? Verse 3. Or do you not know? You've got to know some stuff. Verse 6. Knowing. Knowing this. You've got to know some stuff. Now, knowledge is not faith, and knowledge cannot save or help you in and of itself. We've talked about that a great deal here in this place. But you cannot have faith without it. You must have knowledge in order to obtain faith. I know faith's a gift of God, but it comes to us by the means of knowledge, the knowledge of His Word. Knowledge in and of itself won't do you a bit of good. But you can't have faith without knowledge. So what are we supposed to know? Paul says, guys, don't you know? Whatever happened to Christ on the cross happened to you, as far as God is concerned. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, Everything that was produced by your mother and father was crucified with Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. And that's good news. That the body of sin might be done away with, with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're, we should. Now, he says should here. He says should. It doesn't say that we're not. It says that we should not. It's the very argument that a lot of people like to make up here in verse 2 that I try to destroy. Here he is saying that we should not. But the way that we should not have sin reign in our body is because of our position that we believe uh, in verse 2 and 3. If you understand, if you truly understand you've been crucified with Christ, then Paul says sin's not going to rule in your life. Can't. But I just said you're nothing but a glob of sin. True, but you, you're, but that's the old man who was crucified. The new man can't sin. The new man can't sin. It's impossible. He's righteous. Verse seven, for he, uh, verse six, knowing this that our old man was, 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 was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. There, there it is again. It's the, same, it's the same thing. Christianity starts with the resurrection. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Do you sin? Are you a sinner? I have a problem with that, by the way. Uh, and I know what they're trying to say, but then I think we sing a song, song, you know. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. 
this is a minor thing, but I'm just trying to implement uh, my, what I'm trying to say. I was a sinner saved by grace. I sure was. But I'm not a sinner now saved by grace. I'm just as righteous as I can be. Knowing, here it is again, verse 9, knowing, you got to know some stuff. Do you know these things? Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So I'm reckoning, I'm reckoning myself dead to all the sin that I commit, to all of my failure. I just go out and I fail and I fail and I fail and I'm just wrecking that dead. There's an old dead man doing dead things resulting in more death. And even resulting in that more death is a good thing because it, it shows me that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing and the only place I have is my position in Jesus Christ, the place where God has placed me by his grace and, and under no no uh, condition uh, or effort or means of my own. For the death that he died, verse 10, he died to sin once for all. Boy, I wish we could get that. Sin, the, the sin question's over, guys. It's just flat over for you and me. Is that too strong? Is that just too, too, too good? Well, what differences are there? What's the difference in me believing now that the sin question is over and me believing 30 years ago that the sin question was over? How come I, I get praised for that? 30 years ago, I turned to Christ and his salvation, but now uh, it upsets, uh, it upsets the, the moral church uh, uh, that I say sins no more. Well, I believe that sin was no more 30 years ago. Well, praise you. Praise God, Larry. You're right. Amen, Larry. You got it straight. Well, I believe that sin's no more right now today. Oh, no, no, no. And you see, once you become a Christian, now that changes things. Now you got to be obedient to the law of God. Now you got to try hard, jump fast, and do what Jesus did. It's still faith. It's all faith. It's all faith. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon, reckon. I think even the New American Standard says reckon. Reckon. Have faith. Reckon. Count it as true. Two plus two equals four. That's what reckon means. Consider. And you guys have had a lot of teaching on uh, on uh, imputed righteousness. How God looks at us. He looks at us as righteous. Well, here, here it is uh, in our Christian life. He doesn't accept me on the basis of me getting better every day. He, he can't accept me on any basis. He just put me to bed. But I'm a new creation. He created a new person. And in that new person, I've been risen with Jesus Christ. I'm holy, blameless, beyond reproach before him. And that's just true. But Larry, you said it's impossible to sin. <laughs> before God, it is. I'm sorry, it is. The sin question has been dealt with. I was found guilty, put to death with Christ. I've been united. I've been engrafted with Christ. When he died, I died. When he rose, I rose. He rose to walk in newness of life. I walk. I rose walk to walk in newness of life. He, he rose without sin. I rise without sin. And that, my friends, will change your life. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin... Now, this is a different argument. For, five and a, for six and a half chapters in Romans, he hasn't given us one command. And now he's going to give us a command. But the command is based on therefore. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Why? Because of your identification truths, the positional truths, of Romans 6, chapters one, uh, verses 1 and 2. I've been cru and I've been crucified with Christ. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, and there's no point in it. The, uh, the power, the power is gone from sin because you already know that, that God's put you to death for. 
there's no there's no more guilt. There's no more power. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. There it is again, your positional truth. I've been, I've been raised with Christ. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. It's just, this is just good advice here. It's better to do this. Don't you know that you're going to be slave to anything or anyone that you permit to be, to, to be your conqueror? You're either going to be a slave to God or a slave to righteousness. Why don't you choose righteousness? Of course, that, that's all he's saying. That's all he's saying. He's not saying that I am somehow that I am more accepted by the Father if I if I obey than if I do not. He's saying it's silly to do anything but. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Linda. You're very welcome. So Linda is a another current church member, and Linda has been attending New Covenant Bible Church where Larry taught. And, and is still attending, and she has been attending longer than me. Do you remember when you first started coming to New Covenant? It was when Bill allowed us to actually interact with other churches, which was 25 years ago. Okay, so a long time. And you said when we were talking about the podcast, when I first started putting episodes up, you said something to me about Larry, and then what you said made me want to ask you if you'd be willing to come on and kind of expound upon what you said, and you were graciously. I'm so glad you said yes. So can you tell the listeners what you told me about Larry? Larry was very gracious. I don't know how it came up, but I was telling him how I had been treated or felt like I'd been treated for the last 25 years and that I was not my position was different than his, that I was a woman, and this um, made me, in my mind, less of a Christian than a male would be. And he was, I think, taken aback, because I don't know that he had ever heard that before, and immediately assured me that God is doesn't have preferences. His children are his children, whether they're black or white. Mostly what I heard was female and male. And that as a female, I was under, I was not in subjection or below a male, which is what I had been made to feel for the last 25 years. So he was the first person to ever open my eyes to the fact that I'm the same as anybody that he loves. His blood was shed for me just like anybody else, and there is no difference. And that's my first memory of Larry. That is so wonderful. I'm, I'm sorry. I no, pontificated a lot there. No, that's great. I, I think listeners want to hear that. I certainly do. Um, and what did that mean for you in a practical way? Well, let me ask you this first. How many? Do you remember about how many lessons it took of hearing Larry's teaching to to finally make that real to you? Was it right away, or did it take a, a month or two? Well, I mean, the background of how I lived 25 years before Larry is I was not allowed to speak in church ever. I, frankly, you couldn't even really move around a lot or make noise. Uh, um, you, you had to have head covering. Um, you just were not... I didn't even feel like I was there. Uh, 
It didn't matter if I was there or not. They only seemed to care about the men. And so, practically speaking, after not speaking in church for 25 years, it took a long time for, even though I knew or felt that I was now just like a male and I was just as worthy and just as, what do I want to say, just as regenerated, it took a long time before I could open my mouth and ask a question in church, and it took even longer for to not feel guilty. And to this day, I hesitate for a second ever before I open my mouth, and I think I always will. But that's, practically speaking, it was talking in church. It was not wearing a head covering. It was not thinking that anybody here was better than me. Uh, or a better Christian, shall mm-hmm. I say. It's uh, to put anything before the word Christian is a redundancy. There aren't good Christians and bad Christians and better Christians and worse Christians. As Larry's teaching uh, makes real to people as they understand their position in Christ, they understand, they come to understand that the redundancy bet- behind an adjective, right. a Christian is a Christian, a Christian is in Christ and we have good works, and the Lord is doing all of that. Uh, right. And as I told you before we started, what it really boils down to is I was unsecure in my position. Mm-hmm. I had no faith that I was worth anything. Oh, that's, Does that make oh, sense? It's heartbreaking. Uh, I really didn't have to be there. They would have never missed me. Um, another short little thing is I don't care how many times a male— did not show up for church. All the males after church went to his house and asked him what the problem was, why he wasn't there. Uh, Literally, that happened every time one of the people didn't show up if he was male. Now, there was several of us single women, and not once did they blink or ask or even, even care that they weren't there and they never went to their house ever to ask him why they hadn't shown up for church. Mm. So it was like they didn't really care if we were there or not. And that that was that ingrains in you insecurity. Um, yes. Worthlessness. Oh yes. Yes. And my worth should not have been based on how they treated me. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 appalls me that I let myself do well. I didn't let myself do anything. You know, I've come to uh, totally understand that this was God's plan. God's plan was always that I would do that for twenty-five years. For whatever reason, it was for my best. Everything He does for me is for my best, and I have no problem now realizing that that was something He wanted me to go through. Go through. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's helpful to know that you were very young when you first came to this first church. Yes, I was 15. Yes. And Bill was the pastor. Right. So if you were, you were not, a, were you attending another church before? I was always a Methodist. I was okay. always a Methodist. I always attended the Methodist church in Norman. Okay. And so how did it come to be when you first started t- attending Bill's church, I mean, if you're comfortable saying, um, that you knew that this is how they felt about women? Did they pull you aside or... Like, how did it come to be that you figured out, oh, this is how this is how it is in this church? Well, 
I'm not sure when I realized it or ever even thought that it was a bad thing. Mm. I don't know that I ever thought it was a bad thing until Larry explained Mm. that it was not correct. Mm. When you're that young and this is the way you're always treated, um, it was like, well, that's, I guess, the way it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's just like brainwashing. That's mm-hmm. the way it was. I didn't know any better and didn't know that I was as worthy as a man until Larry, you know, kind of opened my eyes to that, mm-hmm. um, which, once again, that's the way it was supposed to be. That was part of my plan in my life, and um, uh, it's it makes me appreciate so much more what I have now. It's 180 degrees different. Everybody I feel like here cares about me mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. I could ask any of you for help, and you would help me. That yes. would never, never happen. Um, single women couldn't ask questions because we couldn't talk. So if I had a question... I didn't have anybody to go to. If you were married, you couldn't even go to Bill and ask him a question because that would be talking, so you had to go to your husband. So this was the way it always was. So I didn't know that um, I I could count on anybody or that I had a voice or that I could ask questions. Does does that make sense? Yeah, and... It's so sad because I did. I you sent me over just to some bullet points, and and when I read that the single women couldn't talk in church, but then they couldn't ask any questions because they weren't married. I I was shocked by that. I mean, I I knew that that's what it was, but how how in the world is a Christian again like like you're saying is that it the spiritual growth of the women in that church were not important to the men. Absolutely not. And there was no spiritual growth. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, if, it, if it was, it, would, it was granted by God. I mean, as we went through Romans, obviously that is an awesome foundation, and we went through Romans multiple times. And that was something that he did teach very well. Okay, so he, he taught it from a uh, Calvinistic doctrines of grace perspective. Yes, but it's one thing to teach, and it's another thing to the way you act. Oh, 100%. And so the way I was treated was the way I thought I was supposed to be treated. Mm-hmm. Even though you hear that you're a child of God and that you, you know, you all your sins are forgiven and by grace, uh, you know, it, all of the things that are good teaching, but I just didn't, uh, nothing was ever followed through. I wonder if it made me wonder if that really was true or not, but. Right. And how, you know, how could somebody who's so oppressed, how could somebody hear all, there's no condemnation and that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, Romans 8. What difference would that make if you were never treated like a real person and treated. I mean, those truths don't mean anything to somebody. But true, but what's so funny is that's what saved me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought I had to do something to be saved. And mm-hmm. the first thing out of the first lesson I ever heard from Bill was that there's no more condemnation, mm-hmm. that he doesn't uh, count me guilty for anything I do that I was to- and, and what's so funny is that's what regenerated me I mean I was immediately um, 
gobbled up Romans and knew that what I was in in the Methodist Church was totally wrong because they totally believe in works. Mm-hmm. So that that I got that and yet was still insecure is kind of a mystery. Um, I don't I don't know why um, that I didn't leave the church sooner. All of that once again is because that's the way it was supposed to be. Right. Because yeah. if it was supposed to be different, I would have left earlier. Right. But if if I sit across from you and I slap you in the face, and after every time I slap you in the face, I say, I love you, Linda, and then I slap you again, and I say, I love you, Linda, I mean, which which action are you going to believe? So they may have been teaching these wonderful gospel truths, but they weren't they weren't acting them out towards you. If if Christ is our friend and the unity we have in Christ, and the, the Bible talks about we're one, with, we're united with each other in Christ, then there wouldn't be any difference because you're right. you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, and we're united to each other. Right. But but then to have a second class um, means that maybe I well I won't I won't go into what that meant for other people, but um, the. How you how you're treated like a Christian the Christian doctrines of grace and the understanding of what truly has been done for you would naturally make you love other people. Well, love love other uh, other Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I say Christians. I mean regenerated Christians, not ones that just say I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. But I mean actual. Well, they just call them children of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yes, you would think that. Um, you would treat each other with love. Mm-hmm. Um, and why I didn't see that until much, much later was probably because I was so young when I was indoctrinated into that system. Mm-hmm. You know, my family loves to call it a cult. Uh, well, I'm covered uh, with them in that uh, you know, a little bit. And, um, uh, in a way, it was. Um, and there are lots of religions that treat women, uh, well, not the way Christ would treat them, mm-hmm. not the way they should be treated, because they, you know, and so uh, I'm glad I finally, God, you know, got me out of that and got me hooked up with Charles and hooked up with Larry, and um, uh, and I was glad to finally leave um, that environment. Another thing that you said was that you were, the single women were expected to make meals for the men of the church? Yes, we, we had to do that once a week. None of us liked doing it. Oh, yeah. We we all worked just like mm-hmm. everybody else. It was just another way I think of them um, expecting something different of us. It never occurred to them that they cook a meal for us. Yeah, it's just not like that here now. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel would fix me me a meal. Right. If if I asked, if I said. I'm totally broke, Daniel. I don't have any money this week. Can you can you help out? Yeah, I, th- I think anybody would. Mm-hmm. I, I would help anybody out if I could. That's just the way love is. Right. And I wanted to contrast that. So you tell me if I'm if I'm right or close. Uh, so all of those works that you were doing, the church attendance and making meals and whatever you were expected to do in service, you had no joy in it. Because absolutely not. Yeah, I hated that I couldn't ask questions, and I hated that I had to have my hair covered. And if I just can't tell you how many arguments there were there, (laughs) and I hated 
I, I didn't, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. There was no joy in, in being regenerated. There should be a joy there. Um, but, but no, there was no joy. And I did not like any, any of it. Mm-hmm. And I, but I still stayed. Well, and what I wanted to mention to the listeners is that the, all those same things are you're doing now. I mean, I can, as a, as an observer, I can say that if something needs to get done in our little group, our ragtag bunch of rapscallions, <laughs> Linda, Linda is your gal. Uh, I mean, just ten minutes before this podcast, where there's a building issue, and you're on top of it, like. We need to get that taken care of. You know what, what's being done, like in the in the service in to other members in the congregation specifically. Recently, it, that's all coming out of joy and care and love. Am I right about that? It's all absolutely. I love and care for every single person, and they are my actual brother and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. I will be with them forever. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, when people thank me for something I do, I'd say, you do it for me. Mm-hmm. If I was in a situation, you guys would all do it for me. That's that's what edifying the body is. That's what's being together. It's so important to um, not just see each other at church, but try to... These these people are your brothers and sisters, and you love them. Probably, actually, probably sometimes more than your own brothers and sisters. Uh, well, I'm very fortunate. My brothers and sisters, you know, attend the church too. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's a different kind of love when you actually know that these people are your brothers and sisters in Christ, as much as you can know. I'm not saying that there's a S on people's exactly. forehead because they're saved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just um, what I in my heart feel like that that you're all my brothers and sisters and I would do anything for you and you would do the same for me. Mm-hmm. At 100%. Is it okay to ask how it came to be that you actually left Bill's church? I got married late okay. and um and brought um Don Don came with me to our church because I would not go to the Free Will Baptist Church under any uh, circumstances. Actually, it was Methodist, sorry, Mm -hmm. Um, because I didn't believe in free will. There's no such thing. And so he came to uh, our church, thankfully. And uh, sometimes, you know, and he he probably a non—maybe he was a non-believer at the time. Are you talking about Don came to this church? Uh, He came—no, to Bill's. Okay. And so uh, sometimes, you know, that's the way God, God works. Um, if a non-believer gets hooked up with a believer, sometimes that's the way God regenerates them because then they get to listen to the Word. Mm-hmm. So I was with him, and uh, I think he was a little taken aback uh, about all of it. He knew I was unhappy, was not talking, with all, all of that. So I could actually talk to Don about this. Mm-hmm. And say, where is this in the Bible, Don? Where, where, where is this? And of course, Kathy and I were um, very unhappy with it. Uh, all of the women were unhappy with it. And so, when we started being introduced to Larry's church and 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 Charles' church, and saw that other people believed what we did, actually believed it, and yet they were treated different, it 
it just started something in all of us. And we were just like, we're, we don't we don't have to take this. We can right. stay with, with another church and we don't have to go back to Bill's. And so we flat out told him, we are not coming back. Okay. We're going to stay with Bill and Charles. And you mean Larry and Charles? Or, I, I'm sorry. I meant Larry and Charles. Uh-huh. And we're, we're just not coming back. And we just flat out didn't go back. Do you remember about how many weeks it was that you came here before you made the decision to not go back? Well, um, as we, we started seeing at the Warwick Apartments, right, Larry's church, and then he kicked us out because of Bill. And that was so hard crushing to me. I I was so upset and wanted to leave Bill's in and stay going to to Larry's church because I just loved it and everybody was so nice to me. It was such <laughs> a, a difference. And I'm not remembering how Larry and Charles got hooked up and then the three of us started coming to the three of us churches started coming here. Uh-huh. I don't remember when that was. But I remember that then, once again, mm-hmm. they kicked Kick Bill, Bill out. Uh-huh. Well, that's all I believe it took for us to not many weeks after that to say, no, we're not leaving this. This is this is the way it should be. Yeah. And uh, I just don't remember what year that was. I, uh, you might remember better than me. Well, I don't think we were coming to that to the oh, church at then you right because you were still in norman i'm right. sorry mm-hmm. but so i don't remember i just know that um it didn't take long for them to realize that um bill was not meshing mm-hmm. the three churches were not meshing only two of them were mm-hmm. and and it wasn't long after that that he said okay well we're just not going to come to this church anymore and that so bill was the one who just dis- who told you guys we're not coming to New Covenant anymore. Right. And then you guys said, well, yeah. suit yourself, but as for me yeah. and my house. That's right. We we went to one more, it seems like only one more Bible study with Bill on a Sunday. Okay. And we just flat out told him, we are not doing this anymore. We are going to start going to, um, well, it wasn't called New Covenant then. It was South Young Baptist, I believe. Okay. And so we said we are we are going there, and we never looked back. And I don't know that I saw Bill two more times in the rest of his life after mm. that. So. It was wonderful how Larry and Charles were so meshed together so well, especially since they were so opposite. Their teaching yeah. was opposite, and it right. was so nice. I loved every every different aspect of the way they taught, and it was it was, it was great. And I am I miss them both greatly. Yes. And we are I don't know any other word to say than blessed that um Daniel and Bo yeah. uh took up that. Um and I'm not saying they're I'm just saying that they're and they have different uh it's it's kind of fun to watch. They have a different uh, technique too, just like Charles and Larry. But uh I I'm glad that God finally allowed, well, had had us see that there was other people out there that believed, because my my whole 25 years, I thought we were the only people mm-hmm. on the planet that believed in grace okay. and, and Romans. I never knew anybody else believed that. Everybody else was the, 
Bill didn't let us believe that. Bill, mm-hmm. Bill, um, no, I'm not trying to talk uh, ill of of the dead. I'm just trying to state facts. We, mm-hmm. we, we were, you know, we were it. There wasn't anybody else out there that believed what we did. Well, that was a way for him to keep, keep us, mm-hmm. uh, because we were his total support. Uh, financially, see, financially, he had no other. I, I could go on and on, but but your listeners don't don't need to hear that. That's not what we're here for. We're, we're here basically for me to tell you that uh, the Lord allowed Larry to open my eyes, and that that I was um, just like anybody else, mm-hmm. just a child of God's, and uh, He loves me just as much as He does any male. Right, and. Uh, and that was uh, such an eye-opener, and uh, I'm glad he allowed me to ask questions. I grew greatly. Not that I didn't ask non-questions, too, but mm-hmm. uh, to be able to ask a question about something Larry said was was great. Like, I don't understand that. Where are you coming from? All of that, I grew so much more um, being able to— actually ask questions. And I know that's hard. It's hard to you to understand or anybody to understand what it's like to be silent for 25 years yeah. and then actually get to ask questions. I'm really glad yeah. that you could you could be here. And, you know, our church is unique, too. It's not just that you came from a place where you couldn't utter a word. I mean, you're, when you say that, you're talking about literally you walk in and you cannot say, is that what you mean? Yeah. As Hello. soon as church started—no, you could. As soon as church started, that was it. When when you came in, you could talk and say, hi, how are you doing and everything. But as soon as everybody sat down, that was it. Lips sealed. Don't fidget. Don't make noise. Don't, you know, don't do anything. Uh, the children couldn't even uh, interrupt. Uh, children were not allowed to if uh, cry or talk or anything. They had to be taken to a back bedroom. Um I remember Kathy telling me that he would actually stop t- preaching. So if her daughter made it a fuss and were t- very young, like a toddler, yes. then he would stop preaching yeah. and just tear her down until she. And and so I don't want listeners to feel like we're saying that. Um, I mean, of course, there's order. We're not. You weren't against the order, but you're saying that this just went another level just so strict yes it's not that you're you were chafing against well yeah i wanted to have a conversation about dinner in the middle of the sermon and bill wouldn't let me you're saying it was like you you need to be silent and and then all the other stuff that he was putting in your head that simply wasn't true mhm that's what you were chafing against being made to feel less than by but yes. I'm using the pulpit, or Bill, using the pulpit as a way to have complete and total control. Right. Okay. I don't know another example that stays with me because it made me so angry. I was probably 16 or 17, and we went to um, Pikes Peak. And the women were expected to stay in the cabin and have a Bible lesson with what other older woman was there and all the men got to climb Pikes Peak. Mm. Well, I was very much an athlete 
out of the womb, I think I was an athlete in the sense that I always uh, was active. And that was, I wanted to do that so bad. And he said, no, you, you can't. All the women have to stay down here and have a Bible study. That just was one other small example of we were treated different. I should have got to make the choice that I wanted to climb Pikes Peak if I wanted to. Right. Um, I, I, it, was, it wasn't even a choice for me. It was to, I was told I was not allowed. And um, that's just one small thing that, that uh, started probably my aggravation at resentful. everything. Um, it's, it's not good to go to church and be resentful. And, oh, and happy. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. And it's certainly not here. And I just love here. Right. Yeah, we we love the teaching because it never makes us, puts us under law. It never makes us feel less than like the Christian life is one of performance. And then we have, you know, the great five points behind us as well. It's like we have the best of everything because we have, we have, grace in the Christian life, we have the five points, and we have the ability to to talk in church to ask a question. Mm-hmm. And that is very different. And I think people may think, well, how how do you have order if you don't if you can just interrupt the sermon anytime? And I'm just telling you, we've we figured it out. I mean, we're all cordial. So we're polite about it, but we don't We, we lift our hand. We yeah. wait till we're called upon uh, um for the most part. I mean <laughs> Sometimes I don't wait to be called upon to pop off, but um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe that's my uh, no. It's great. That's of aggressive. Uh, <laughs> just trying to see if I can get away with it since I couldn't for twenty five years. I, one of the things I told Daniel, and I mentioned this to Daniel when he came on the podcast. Larry taught Daniel, you know, taught him the Bible, and then Daniel started teaching. When Larry was still alive, there would be times when Daniel would. Well, I mean, and especially the older Larry got, the more Daniel took over right. that uh, office or that responsibility. And I remember um, pulling him aside after church uh, maybe three, four months into his teaching. And I, I just remember crying and saying, you know, Dad's not going to be around forever. And we have something still like you're going to be the one that carries this church forward through, I mean, not him, you know, Christ working through him. Right. But, you know, we have, we still have a church because Larry took it upon himself to, or because God worked through Larry and Daniel's life. Right. And Bo. And um, so it, God is just so good, isn't he? Absolutely. Just, uh, it's amazing. Just in this last week um, with issues that I'm dealing with, you know, just praying that that he'll work some things out that I just cannot figure out. And every day he shows me that he knows exactly how it should be and that he has worked things out that I am. It's impossible for me to figure some things out uh, this last week. And he's he's always there. Whether we know it or not, he is always there. He always loves us. He promises that it's for our good, everything that happens. And that's just the truth. That's the way it is. And I figure today we'll, he'll, he'll be working good things. And tomorrow and the next week, especially next weekend, I've got some issues. And I'm sure all of that will, 
work out exactly perfectly the way it's supposed to. Thank you very much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me, and please edit anything you want to edit out. Who knows what I said? I just rambled a lot. I enjoyed it, and our listeners will enjoy it too. Thank you for listening to the Timeless Gospel Podcast. 